Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. You know, I think as believers, oftentimes we think we need to try too hard to represent Jesus. That sounds funny, or interesting at least. But if we're really near him, if we're living with him and living in him, it's tangible, it's evident to the people around us. I have been in times and seasons of my life where I was at a swimming pool in a different country and someone would come up to me and say, are you the pastor? I'm like, what, do I have a sign on my head? I'm in Mexico, I'm trying to relax a little bit. I've been in other seasons and times in my life where I've heard people say, you're a pastor? (laughs) Says of the disciples that they could tell that they had been with Jesus. When you're spending time with Jesus, it shows. When you're not spending time with Jesus, it shows. There are times where my sweet wife tells me I need to go pray. She's right. She can tell. I need to spend time with Jesus. I never say that to her, though. It's a one-way statement. You know how that goes. Because I said so. There are a few phrases as irritating to hear as a child from your parents than that one. Right? I can think of a couple others. Uh, One of them is, uh, I told you so, that one. It's another phrase that none of us like to hear. I told you so. You can save that one, right? There's a look you can give instead of actually saying those four words. It's the, you know what I mean? You don't have to actually say that. The other one was, do what I say. Parenting is hard, right? And there are times where, as a parent, we're trying to lead, we're trying to do. Anybody here a flawed parent like I am? Anybody ever had one of those bad parenting moments where you're like, yeah, I really need to repent to my children for that? Because I said so. I remember times, and I was a very challenging, none of you want to have a teenager like I was a teenager to my parents. Um, Every gray hair or lack of hair in my family lineage is connected to how I was as a teenager on some level. I was that teenager that you couldn't tell anything. I already knew everything. My dad would say, I can't wait till you grow up a little bit um, so that you can realize that you don't know everything. And I was about 19 when I finally came to my dad and repented uh, because I had hit a phase in my life where I began to actually shut up. It's interesting. And in the beginning, and for you teenagers, this will be funny, but I, I began to say, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, you're right, yes, sir. And inside, I was still saying, and the door would close, and I'd be like, but on the exterior, I'm like, yes, sir, yes, you're right, yes, sir. And it was amazing how quickly my dad would be like, well, all right then. And what I'm saying is my heart was not right. But my behavior 
began to lead me to a heart change. Because when I shut my big fat mouth, it's funny that you can actually begin to hear. All the parents said amen. I remember my mom one time telling me I was 14 years old. She said, Joel, you're too young to date. I said, oh, mom, that's cute. <laughs> Been dating for years, mom. You can't date when you're 14. You can't pick anybody up. Well, you, you, what, I mean, in the 80s, it was like, will you go with me? Remember that? Will you go with me? The first time I asked a girl to go with me, I was in sixth grade. She said, where? I'm like, never mind. Oh, I put my parents through the ringer. I remember my dad. <laughs> oh, this is a funny one. It's not true. It's not true. Never mind. I can't tell this story. Okay, I'll tell the story. My dad, uh, I was 17, and my, I have an older brother and older sister, and, and at the time, they hadn't had any kids yet. They're 10, 11 and 12 years older. And my dad, I was 17, and this is just a setup. I mean, this is really, this is dad. I mean, you set it up yourself. I'm sorry. He watches every service. And he said, Joel, it looks like it's going to be up to you to provide us with some grandkids. Without even blinking, I said, Dad, I've been working on that for years. <laughs> he did not laugh on that one. It, was, it wasn't true, but it was funny though. Because I said so. My, my thought as, as going through this is like, do any of us do we get a say when our parents are trying their best? And, and I want to encourage you as parents to have real conversations with your kids. Have real conversations. Talk about the real issues. The rule in our house is if they're old enough to ask the question, they're old enough to hear the truth. So if you've got a six-year-old asking 11-year-old questions, you should tell them the truth in a manner that's appropriate for their age. Babies don't come from storks. Stop lying to your children. Make your kids uncomfortable about how much you love each other and how affectionate you are with each other. They're like, ew, that's gross. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all this. <laughs> come on, it's time for us as Christian parents, guys, as Christian parents, Christianity is notorious for whitewashing over things and not telling the truth. Because I said so. As opposed to having real conversations about real stuff that's going on inside of our hearts and minds. But when it comes to God, because I said so often is a really good answer. Because there's things that, frankly, you're not ready to hear. I think of that line in, I think it was A Few Good Men, maybe. It was with Jack Nicholson where he says, you can't handle the truth. There are so many times where that's Jesus to us. If, if God actually showed some of you what you would go through in your life 20 years earlier, you wouldn't have gone. He only shows us what we can actually handle. And there are times where because I said, you don't get to get to heaven and be like, listen, big guy, you got some splaining to do. It doesn't work like that. With God, his word is eternal. In fact, the scripture is very clear that Jesus is the word. He is the word of God. When God said, let there be light, when God created and released his words, he released Jesus. Jesus is the creative essence of God in audible form. The word of God 
became flesh and dwelt among us. God dwells in you through his word. And we as his people need to revere his word. Now, over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about uh, some different facets of this and different things that we all need to recognize and understand because there is a difference uh, in the word word in scripture when it's used in different places uh, through the Greek language translated into English. Sometimes the same word can mean one thing and sometimes the same word for word can mean another thing. And as we go through this process, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to help you understand uh, how we need to process information, because you have a Bible that either sits on your desk or on a bookshelf or is inside a document pad or something like that, and you have all these different accesses to the Word of God, but there's a big difference between the Word of God that's inside of a tablet or a book and a Word of God that's inside of your heart and alive and coming out of your mouth. doesn't matter how many Bibles you, co you collect. If it doesn't come alive in your heart and come out of your mouth, you've missed the whole point. Because I said so. I want to take you to a couple of places in Scripture. Um, one of them is a place that speaks specifically about Jesus and how Jesus builds things. It was really interesting. I love that moment in worship where Tiffany asked Hannah to let her spirit flow. Can I tell you that I want to see living, breathing worship come out of Oaks Church? I believe that is our future. That is our destiny. Not just to sing canned songs written by someone else, but to sing the song that the Holy Spirit is singing inside of a moment. It's our future. It's our future. But in that moment, Tiffany says, what's in your spirit, Hannah? Let something else out. And she began to say, make us new wineskins. Let new wine flow out of us. And that instantly connected me to a journey that I've been on for this last week. I've been reading and going through my journals and, I, and I'll, I don't know, Austin, is that ready? Is that image ready? I posted an image uh, on social media this week just about my journey. And, and this, in my, this is three and a half years of my life documented inside of, of volumes of my personal prayer journal. And so the journey that I've been on this week has been a beautiful journey of, of reconnecting to what the Father has said specifically and directly to me in regards to my life, my family, this church, you, I do my very best to document and write down everything God is saying to me in my life. It's a habit that I began in my late 20s. I began to write down, if I felt like God was saying something to me, I would write it down. I wanted to be someone that took care of God's word. And I learned in college and in high school that you only remember 10% of what you hear. And I had this thought inside my head. I wonder if I could remember more of what God says if I wrote it down. 
Because if you begin to write things down, if you involve yourself, uh, both not just your hearing, but you involve your, your visionary learning and your kinetic learning, you can retain up to 80 and 90% of the things uh, that are processed through you if you are engaged in the learning experience, engaged in the learning process. So I begin to actually document and write my prayers, and I write them as conversations with God. And, and I, live, I live out of my journals. And on this path that I've been on this last week or, or so going through the things, literally since the summer of 2017, I, I started there because it was a very formative time. This church, the seed of this church was birthed in the summer of 2017. I didn't know that yet. But the things God began to say to me, the vision, the future of this church began in that moment, in that time. And he began to tell me about what he was doing, and I couldn't see it yet. I couldn't understand it yet. But, but as I went through my journals of writing down what I had experienced with him, I began to see how he had laid this whole thing out. And like a conductor, he had orchestrated everything. The good, the bad, the ugly, the ups, the downs, the, the wonderful, joyous times, the painful times. He'd orchestrated all of it to create a moment where this would be born. And if I hadn't have had the discipline to write it down, I couldn't relive and remember the things that God had said to me, and it wouldn't, I wouldn't have the confidence I have. See, when you know God has spoken, it gives you ridiculous confidence. Until you know what God's will is on a matter, You'll go back and forth second-guessing because it could just be your idea. Anybody ever had any bad ideas that didn't work out? I have. But there's something about when God speaks that he has a way of working things out because he's in control. It's his word. I'll go in, into this deeper in the next few weeks, but I want to show you something. Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 Jesus is in the middle of a conversation with his disciples and he's asking them what the word on the street is. What are people saying about me? Who do they say that I am? And then he goes and says, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. It's like reverse psychology, right? Shh, don't tell him. Hey, can I tell you? I'm not supposed to tell you. It works every time, right? This is an amazing exchange that has been confused and misunderstood for many, many years. In fact, very well-meaning people inside of the Catholic Church took this to mean that Jesus was going to build his church on a pope. And that's not what Jesus said. He said to Peter, Man did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. He was talking about 
the revelation. He says, I tell you, Peter, which means little bitty rock. Rocky was Peter's nickname. He said, I tell you, Peter, Rocky, little rock, that upon this rock, the word he used there for rock is this massive like Gibraltar, massive stone, edifice structure, unmovable, unbelievably powerful and sustainable. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus builds on revelation. Jesus builds on the rock of revelation. He doesn't build on a human being. God is not building this church on a human being. He's building this church on a revelation of who he is that he wants to release into this region. Why does this region need Oaks Church? God has been very specific that he wants to do something unique and different inside of Oaks Church, inside of this body of believers that has a different expression than what's happening in other churches around the city and around the region. The other churches around the city and the other re- and around the region are my friends. They're my partners. We don't compete against them. We are, we are for them. We pray for them. We give to them. We serve with them. We are for them. They're not competitors. They're partners in this race. And God has given them a unique expression, and he's given us a unique expression. And the city, the region, needs us all. It needs us all. Because there are people that will walk in this room, and they'll be in our worship, and they'll hear me speak, or Stephen, or Brandon, or any of our other speakers, and they'll go, eh. Someone else will be like, You know what I mean? Sir, I, I, I mean, I, I remember walking into a church after looking for two and a half years and hearing the worship and hearing the pastor and instantly the tone of that man's voice, he was like 10 minutes into his message and I look at Jennifer and I'm like, that's my pastor. This is our church. We were there for 21 years. When God speaks... Everything changes. Until he speaks, nothing changes. And we've got to stop living our lives based on what we say. We live our lives because he said so. That's what he said. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Come on, some of you have been battling the gates of hell. Some of you have had hell unleashed in your marriage, hell unleashed in your finance, hell unleashed with your children. You've been battling the gates of hell. And unless you have this word to hold on to, Jesus Christ said, the gates of hell will not prevail against me. And the word of God coming into your heart and out of your mouth is what makes the devil shake in his boots. It makes him quiver in his shoes. He cannot stand the name of Jesus. He cannot stand when the word of God comes alive inside of your heart and begins to flow out of your mouth. You become so powerful when you align with what God is actually saying. Look at this next passage. 
Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine, this is Jesus speaking, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. And the rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Oh, this is so big. There's so much in this right now. There's so much in this right now. First, I want you to see this. It's a simple equation for success in the kingdom. Hearer plus doer equals disciple. Hearer, you can't be a hearer only. You can't just come to church and hear a great message and mm, that felt good. And then you go about your, your little life. Guys, I've lived that life. I lived that life. Seeking heaven on Sunday and living like hell throughout the week. You can't build like that. You don't have the right foundation. It's hearer plus doer that makes a real disciple. Most of you know, over the last couple years, my wife and I um, followed a little dream that we'd had for 25 years. Next week is uh, our, our 25th wedding anniversary. I know we got married at 11. Um, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's a real miracle. It's just a real miracle that we're still married. Thank you, Cheryl. Um, Cheryl is our marriage counselor and, and ministers to so many people in here and saved our lives and our marriage. And still is. Um, but we started this project, and we, and we bought 12 acres, and, 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 we, uh, and, we, and we built a house. And, and when they, they began to, to do the work out there, um, and the, they, they had to move all this dirt around because we, we wanted to be there. It's a, there's a creek. It's beautiful, and there's a big, beautiful creek. And I literally, if you can imagine me on a bobcat forestry mulcher for seven days straight mowing down forest, it was glorious, um, especially when I ran into that tree thinking I could knock a dead tree down, and it didn't knock down, and I went face first into ballistic glass. It was awesome. Um, Thank you, Dr. Molsky, for helping with my neck. Uh, so I've learned to be a country boy. I've had multiple injuries now. Um, so, so, so when they did all the dirt work, I mean, it was thousands of dollars of dirt work, moving dirt around. And we had to have someone come out and check and test the soil. We had to have an engineer come and test the soil that we were going to build on to figure out what we needed to do. Jesus talked a lot in scripture about what type of soil people were. And if they were the type of soil that his seed could find purchase in, that his word could penetrate and grow in. Because there are people that are bad soil. And if you surround yourself with bad soil people, it will affect the harvest that God wants to have in your life because their soil will intermingle with yours. But what I learned in this process is that they had to, even though we, we had a, a type of, and it's, real, it's this black and white soil out there in this little town that we're in. It's got, it's got caliche clay and this black dirt. It's sandy and weird. And, and, and literally, when it rains out there, 
it for real rains and water comes up from the ground like, like underground rivers. We have a river of life that's flowing through our property, comes up from the ground and just flows out. It's crazy. But they literally had to do these soil testings and they had to drill down to build our foundation. On one end of the house, they drilled down and put piers to hit the bedrock underneath and it was two to three feet on that corner of the house. But they had to go all around the house, every single exterior and interior wall, they drilled down and found the bedrock and at the far end of our house, they had to go 17 to 18 feet down to hit the bedrock. Anybody had foundation problems in Texas? Every house I've ever owned has had foundation problems in Texas, right? It's a major issue here that you just kind of live with and deal with. But because of the preparation on this house, it will never move. You understand? It's got like 37 piers that go down and anchor into bedrock. This house will never move because it's been built on the rock. The foundation is anchored into the rock beneath it. And when Jesus is talking to you and I about anchoring our lives, he's talking about anchoring our lives to the revelation of what he is saying about what's going on inside of our world. If you anchor the, your life to CNN, Fox, MSNBC, you anchor your, if you build your life on a party, a political platform, you will watch it crumble because it's unsustainable. See, the sand, the sand represents opinion. Do you remember when news was actually news? It's amazing. They would get on there and actually tell you what was happening in the world. Now they yell and scream and argue or, or try to sell you something and it's owned. Guys, it's owned. Every news, every single news station and channel and company in the United States, I believe there's 36 or 37 different news stations and channels inside of the United States. They're all owned by four companies that are out to sell you something. They want to make money off of you. They want to manipulate you. They want to control you for their agenda. And if you live your life on their stinky opinions, you're building your life on sand. Hey, thank you. If you could stand here with a straw, actually, I'll just sit down. Just... I shouldn't make myself laugh before I drink. <clears throat> Who are you going to believe? I'm 10 days into a fast, um, doing different phases, different stages. I'm going to fast through the election for sure. We'll see where I go from there um, because I want to hear God about the future of our nation. 
I could give less than a rat's tail what Wolf Blitzer or Anderson Cooper or Tucker Carlson or any of those, I, I could care less. I want to know what God is saying. What is God saying? Because if you're not careful, have you noticed that everyone from California and New York is moving to Texas? Please vote Texas when you move here. Don't turn our place into the hellhole you came from, for crying out loud. I mean, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to make political statements, but I'm sickened by what we see in the news. If it doesn't bother you that it's now okay for a 24-year-old person to seduce and have sex with a 14-year-old person in California, and it's not a sex offense, if that's okay with you, if you think that's righteous, if you think that's godly, you think that's okay for the future of our nation? That that's what we should do? Because as it goes in California, if you don't stand up for your righteousness, so it goes across the rest of the nation. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay for adults to victimize children. It's not okay. It's not okay. I was victimized as a child. It's not okay. You want to see somebody get violent? Sign me up. Guys, we've got to stand for righteousness. It's not about Democrat-Republican. This election is not about Democrat-Republican. It's about righteousness. And there's an agenda to divide us. And we cannot be divided. We've got to unify every background, every color, every ethnicity, every, every economic strata. We've got to unify around the word of God and stand up for righteousness. Is your life built on opinion or truth? What are you filling yourself up with? What are you talking about throughout the day? What are you listening to as you drive? What comes out of your mouth? What kind of rants are you going on on Facebook? I'm in the middle of a conversation with a young man that was in my youth group, love this kid. And, 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 and he's got opinions. And I'm trying to steer him, just come on, let's hear Jesus on this. I'm not against him, I love him, I'm for him. We, we, gotta, we gotta stop trying to be right. And we need to be righteous. And we need to love people and draw people back to the center, back to the truth. Because there's a massive, disgusting, evil agenda to divide us and separate us. And we're kingdom people. Listen, we're kingdom people before we're Americans. We're... We're kingdom people before our color. Please don't get hung up on your color. We're kingdom people. 
We're for each other. We're for a single kingdom. And this whole idea of, 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 of identifying and making our primary, it's the, guys, I'm telling you, it is the enemy's number one agenda. If he can get you so wrapped up in a temporary identifier that does not exist in heaven, he can get you wrapped up in a temporary identifier that is so much lower than the identity you're supposed to walk in in Jesus Christ. He wants so badly for you to be wrapped up in a racial identity or a sexual identity or a gender identity or an economic identity. The enemy wants you focused on something temporary so he can steal your eternity. You've got to build your life on truth. There's one truth. His name is Jesus. One truth. His name is Jesus. I... um. I was talking to my buddy Ken yesterday on the phone, and I, we were just kind of rapping about some stuff, and I was telling about this little journey I've been on going through my journal, and, uh, and how amazing it is on one level. I'm reading things, and I'm seeing the stuff that God said to me. I mean, it's just mind-blowing, the things that God said to me right before things happened, and he's telling me these things. I'm, I'm talking, I'm reading stuff from 18, 20 months ago that God said this, 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 and this, and I'm like, oh my God, it happened. And I'd forgotten that he said it to me. And the whole thing, it's like literally these prophetic declarations that I wrote down and forgot about until I went back to reread and find out and remember what God said to me. And to see it have actually come to pass and God's hand be wrapped up, it was beautiful, it was amazing. But, but what I've been moved by is how many things God said to me that I didn't do. I, I would love to show you a picture of my journals and, and you'd be like, wow, he, just, he hears the Lord and he just obeys him and he never he floats everywhere he goes, just levitates and he, he eats things and it doesn't even, no calories can affect him. It's just, just, just Guys, I'm such a flawed individual. I'm reading my own journal, looking at stuff that God told me 18 months ago, 20, 24 months ago, and I still haven't obeyed him. I'm doing great over here. Oh, man, I'm obeying. I'm doing awesome over here. But I got other parts of my life where he's been trying to tell me stuff for years, and I'm not ready. And I just kind of, yeah, yeah, not yet, God, not yet, God. You ever been that kid to your parents? Yeah, 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 uh-huh, yeah, mom, mm-hmm. Come on, we can, we can yeah, yeah, God all the time. And God's trying to tell us something. He's trying to communicate stuff to us. And I'm sitting there, I'm grieved reading my own journal, recognizing that there's stuff that I have disobeyed God in, not intentionally, but I just haven't been ready to obey on certain, on certain things. You gonna leave the church now? <laughs> I'm a regular guy. I'm a regular guy. Don't put me on a pedestal, man. I'll fall. I have to stand on one because you can't see me because I'm not very tall, but I don't want to fall. <laughs> a regular guy. And I do good on some areas, I do bad on others. I got pulled over last night. Officer Vincent, I was eating ice cream. I got a DWI <laughs> driving while ice creaming. We got some funny stories. I cannot eat and drive, y'all. I, I literally, I, I, Blakely and I, we go, to, we go to Dairy Queen, and I got a dip cone. I haven't had a dip cone since I was like 15. 
And I got a big one, man, and, and it's all over my pants. It's like, I'm like driving and swerving. And man, I read a, ran a red sign, like a stop sign. I just kind of California cruise through the stop sign. You know how that goes, right? The California cruise. And I just cruised through it, didn't signal. Lights come on, and I just bust out laughing. Blakely's like, oh my God, you're going to jail. Why are you going to jail? And I'm like, I'm like, you're acting like your mother. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I, I'm laughing because I'm literally, I got ice cream all in my beard and all over my pants. And, and, I, and I rolled my window and I got my license and registration out and it was a female cop, so I rolled my pants up, showed a little leg. I'm just kidding. I'm just, just joking. I'm just joking. But I'm sorry. I'm like, officer, I'm so sorry. I said, I am driving while ice creaming and you've totally busted me. I don't know what the fine is for this, but it's, and she starts laughing and, and we, it was, it was a funny deal. Um, in my little small little town with probably one police officer in the whole town. I was just fi- glad to finally see one. I hadn't seen a police officer ever in our town. Um, but, but it was just this funny deal, guys. I mean, we, we mess up all the time. We're flawed individuals, but we get up and we do our best to move forward. See, I, I was raised, and I heard this phrase a gajillion times um, that, that I, don't, I don't necessarily, I believe. And it was this, it was this phrase, and many of you know this, and I, I, may, I may challenge you when I say this phrase, but the phrase I was raised on was, delayed obedience is the same as disobedience. You've heard that, right? And that's kind of right, but it's not all the way right. Because Jesus told a story And in the story, Matthew 21, verse 28, he says, what do you think? There's a man who has two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go to work today in the vineyard. And the son says, I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son, said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But then he didn't end up going. Which of these two did the father did what the father truly wanted. They said the first, they answered, and truly I tell you that tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did, and even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. As much as I could beat myself up for looking two years back in my journal and finding the places that I missed him, What's more important is that I'm starting to obey him now. Right? Because there's a lot of religious people that say all the right things. And on the outside, they look really good. But on the inside, Jesus called a lot of these religious people, he called them whitewashed tombs. Cups that were clean on the outside and filthy on the inside. And what's more important is that when we come to ourselves, we realize and we obey. See, there, there are things, and again, as parents of children, there are things that I recognize that when I'm dealing with my 16-year-old daughter, I deal with her with the right mindset because I can't expect her to think and act like a 25-year-old. She's 16. My 11-year-old, the same deal. I have to have a proper perspective in how I work with them based on where they are in their journey. And guess what? God knows exactly where you are in your journey. And, and, and I'm not belittling at all disregarding the things that he says to you and tells you to do. But I am telling you that if you found yourself in a place where you have been living in disobedience, there's grace for you right now. There's grace for you right now. 
and you may be here and you may be like the pastor on stage that found out this week that he needed a do-over because there's stuff that God told me to do. See, again, I mentioned this last week. When God tells you to do something and you don't do it, when you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it, that's actually the definition of sin. Not, not all of these lists of things that Christians are so good pointing out. Oh, that's a sin and that's a sin, that's a sin, that's a sin. It's, it's, it's when God reveals to you, it's time for you to change. It's time for you to address this. See, I've seen story after story after story, heard story after story of people that uh, were interacting with, with different individuals. You're going to hear me tell stories of people that I've reached out to and ministered to. I've had people that, that I've invited church friends and whatever that lived wild lives, and they would come up at the altar, and they would literally be, you know, excited about the message, and they're so excited about the message, they're, they're dropping bombs and cussing at the altar, and, and, I'm, and that's just how they talk. And, and I'm not sitting there going, you're in a church. You need to change your language. I actually think it's funny. Because I'm like, this baby, Christian, they don't even realize that they're at the altar dropping F-bombs, and Jesus is working on their heart, and they don't even realize. And I had a guy that I was ministering to, and, and, and he, he's like, after a year and a half, he's like, hey, man, I feel like God spoke to me. I said, really? That's awesome. What would he say? He goes, I feel, like, I feel like he doesn't want me to go to strip clubs anymore. I said, that's awesome. I said, man, you heard God? That's incredible. Obey him. I'm glad he went that direction with it, you know? I, mean, I feel like he really feels like I have a special ministry at strip clubs, you know? I'm just ministering to people, and I'm like... Please don't go there. But look, it's not up to me to be somebody else's sin sheriff. It's up to me to love them and release the word over them and speak the truth over them. It's up to you to love people and release the word over them and speak the truth over them. Jesus is the one who convicts people's hearts. He can use you by releasing his love, but it's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance, not the judgment long bony finger pointing down at them. We're going to love people to Jesus, and we're going to let Jesus go to work on them and change them. Amen? Amen. So we have to make a decision that we're going to be hearers and we're going to be doers. That's, that's our assignment for this, this, this next season that we're in. I hope you're working hard on taming your tongue. I have been working hard on that myself, um, and I hope you are too, because if we don't tame our tongue, Jesus said our religion is worthless. If we don't stop all the nyet, 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 nyet going on, it doesn't matter how many songs we sing and how many offerings we give and, and how, how, how much, whatever, if you could do all kinds of good stuff and feed people and all, whatever and do all these great works, but if you don't love with your mouth, it's worthless. Oaks Church is going to be a church that loves both in word and in deed. We're going to be both hearers and doers. And as you continue to work on taming your tongue, I want you to work on asking God to speak to you and then actually putting it in practice, actually obeying. And that sounds really easy, but actually it's pretty challenging because when God begins to speak to you, he'll push you. 
He'll stretch you. God's not in the comfort business. Have you noticed? If you haven't noticed, just check out the year 2020. It's not in the comfort business. He's into shaking stuff up because he wants to see what's unshakable. And there's something unshakable inside of you that he wants to build a foundation, a solid foundation. And we've got to get away from the opinions of liars that are trying to sell us something for their own personal gain. And we've got to hear the voice of God and obey it. Amen? Hear the voice of God and obey it. What is God telling you? What is God revealing to you? And I'm going to give you this one last phrase. We say this, I heard this in Christian, it's Christianese, Christian talk. Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord doesn't have a remote control in your hand. Waiting on the Lord, you, you need to think of yourself more as a waiter. If you're waiting on the Lord, it means you're focused intently on serving him and on paying attention to what he wants and needs. You're not focused on your needs. You're not, you're not, you're not waiting on the Lord. God, God, God is not a Starbucks drive through He's not an in and out drive through Pop up, make your order. Grab your little device, make your order before you get there. Apple pay it. That's not how God works. You wait on him. He's not waiting on you. He's not your server. You're his servant. And it's important for us, if we're going to hear God for real, you've got to shut other things off. Your computer, your phone, TV, social, conversations, you've got to shut some stuff off. You've got to get quiet. Don't expect him to talk over the noise and chaos of your life. You've, you've got to create space for him to speak into. Amen. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.